0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you.
1: Something that Peter said. He had been an apostle for quite a, a, a number of years at this point, and and. Um, he says this, he, he's, he's talked to them about some things that God has already done in their lives and, and what he's going to do. And then he says this, for this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. I'm going to remind you always of these things. Though you know and are established in the present truth. and as you already know what I'm talking about. And you're already benefiting from it, but I'm going to remind you. He says, yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent, certainly referring to his body as a temporary dwelling place like all of us are. Yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I'll be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. I guess Peter thought it was pretty important to remind them of the truths of Christianity. And so uh, as I preached to you today, there's gonna be a whole bunch of you who uh, already know what I'm talking about. And yet I would venture to say that, that even so, you don't always know that you know it. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, I could go and say, hey, here's, here's these this basic beliefs I want to talk to you about. You know these things. Oh, I know those things. But you know, when we really get to talking about what they mean in your life and, and the difference they ought to make, you start to realize, hey, maybe I don't really know that as well as I thought. Now, there are going to be some of you here today, you're going to hear this and you go, wow, that's totally new to me. I never really understood that before, and, and it's going to make a, a big difference in your life. Okay? And so... We are going to talk today and for the next two weeks about this idea of being authentic. Being authentic. Now, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of authentic. Um, <clears throat> I have a few people in my life that I have you know, come into contact with and you're with them and it doesn't take you very long to realize that there's something very, very special about this person. That... Um, as a, as a man who used to attend church here many years ago before he moved away, he used to talk about someone, and it's an interesting terminology, he said, but they reeked of God. <laughs> and reek is usually a negative term, but but when you've been around somebody that it's just you're there and you, you get a sense that, that the Lord is here, that, that they're, how they talk and how they look at you and and it, it, you just get a sense that, man, this person is the real deal. And it's what I want to be. And I think it's what every Christian, when they stop long enough to think about it, realize that's what I want to be. And so we're embarking on this sermon. It's a three-part it's It's, it's one sermon, okay? It's just a really long sermon. It's going to take three weeks to preach it, okay? Uh, and so part one today we will be doing... Go ahead and go to that slide, if you would, Eduardo. And so we have those three. So let's talk about this idea of authentic. What does it mean to be authentic? And before we put, don't put the slide up yet, Eduardo. Just real quick, just speak out loud. What, when you think of authentic, how would you describe what authentic means? Genuine. Genuine. What else? Real. 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 Good. I like that. What else? Not confident. What's that? I can't quite hear what you to be, but be what you're holding yourself out to be? Yes. Yeah, okay, good. Not kind of okay, yep. Yeah. Unique. Okay, there's a uniqueness to being authentic. Yeah, that could be, right? Because God has made every one of us unique in some very special ways. What's that? Recognized. Recognized okay, good, yeah. Down front?
0: Sincere or not counterfeit. Or kind
1: of okay, sincere, not counterfeit. Yeah, so we're all on that right track. We would say the opposite of authentic would be what? hypocritical, right? Not all of those things. So let's look at this. Authentic. Just, the word simply means it means genuine. Okay. Go ahead and go to that if you would. Yeah, there we go. Genuine. Bonafide, that's an interesting word. I think it's, it's a Latin terminology, and I believe I could be wrong, but fide is, is the idea of the word faith. Okay. And bona, I think, is for good. Is that correct? So it's it, in good faith. You are who you... Hold yourself out to be. You are real. You're the real deal. And, and here's the, really the crucial probably idea, and that's that you are, it, you're consistent with your true nature or beliefs. Okay? all right. That, that you're consistent with those things. So how would you describe then an authentic Christian? An authentic Christian. Not just an authentic person, but an authentic Christian. Well let's take our Bibles and go to Colossians chapter 1. I mean I, I start thinking, think man there are so many places we could go to look to see what an authentic Christian is. <clears throat> but here in the beginning of Colossians Paul is telling the Colossians here's what I'm praying for you to be and how to live and, and how you experience this as a Christian. And so in verse number 9. Actually let's go. Let's go back and start in verse 3. Paul says, We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints. We would say those are qualities of being authentic Christian, right? Faith and love. Because of the hope uh, which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God and truth. So there's a fruitfulness to this person's life. Verse 7, as you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. So we're getting this love is, is a real strong characteristic here. He says, for this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will, of God's will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And I think when we think about an authentic Christian, they do have that understanding of God's will. They do have this spiritual understanding and wisdom and knowledge from the Lord. Verse 10, "That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him." being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness, conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And like there's so many places we could go look. But definitely, those kinds of qualities are what we would expect to see in an authentic Christian, okay? Now, the question for us that we want to really begin to zero in on today is how does a person become an authentic question? Question. (laughs) An authentic question. Okay, um... (laughs) authentic Christian how does a person become that well I think there's a, a thing that's very much a part of our human nature okay and this is this is the word is doing doing so what what do we do to become an authentic Christian that's that's kind of the way we think about things But what I want to do is step back a little bit and see, Is wait a minute, is this idea of doing, what are we going to do? Got to do this, got to do that, don't do this, don't do that, do it this way, to become an authentic Christian and see if that's really the way we ought to be thinking. So let's talk about salvation for a little bit. Let's talk about salvation. The natural human tendency and religious tendencies of human beings is this, that we do good works in an attempt to what? Become saved. That's a very natural approach. And by the way, this is typically the way man's approach to religion is. It's telling us here's the things you must do in order to somehow rather get okay with God or get God to be okay with you. Now, I'm confident that probably 98.5% of you know something about this statement. Is that true and accurate? No, it is true and accurate with respect that people do it, right? But it's not how it works, not from God's perspective. And his perspective is obviously the one that matters, right? Okay, so let's talk about what does the gospel say about this. The gospel says that we do good works, but because we are already saved. <coughs> Excuse me. i got to remember, cover that up. All right, so... Um, this is a huge difference. I mean, this is a 180 degrees difference. And it it's very, makes very different in your motivations for what you're doing and why you're doing them. One is doing out of, I hope I can finally measure up, which you can't. And the other is, I can't believe what God has done in my life. And so I live differently. Okay? All right, now... So, we get this with respect to being saved, okay? And by the way, if you've never received Christ as Savior, that's what you need to do. You need to acknowledge that you've sinned against the Holy God and there's nothing you can do to fix it except open your life up to Jesus, the one who died for your sins and rose again, and, and yield yourself to Him and receive Christ as Savior. He forgives every sin. He gives you eternal life. He moves in and begins working on your life from the inside out, which we're going to see pretty clearly today. So how about when it comes to living authentic then? Living authentic as a Christian. Because here's what often happens as Christians. We'll say, man, we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, right? We got that nailed down. And then you say, well, now how do you then live for the Lord? Oh, I got to do a lot of works. Work, 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 work. And uh, no, that's... We've got to think differently about it. So let's think about this idea of living authentic. What is the natural human religious tendency when it comes to being an authentic Christian? Well, we do things in order to become authentic. Same ideas, you know, to be, trying to do good works to be saved. We're doing good works to try to, to become authentic somehow. And, there, you know, there's a logic to that. I understand why people think that. But here's what the gospel teaches us. It's this, that we do things because we are all ready, authentic. I say, wait a minute. <laughs> How does that work? Well, let's go back to Colossians again. Page 1352. There's just a couple hints here. And we're going to see a whole lot more this morning before we're done. He's talking about all these things, and if you really look at what he's saying, is they, they are doing things, but he's not giving a long list of things that they're doing, is he? He's talking about their character. He's talking about what they're like on the inside and what it's doing in their lives. It's producing fruit. But so when we see here in verse number 10, he says, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. This is where we might think, okay, I gotta do good works to somehow rather finally measure up and be the real deal and be authentic and, but that's not what these words mean. This word when he says walk worthy of, it very literally means the idea that how you live should match who you are in your relationship with the Lord. See the difference? We're always saying that, no, this is who you are in the Lord, you have a relationship with the Lord. Live in a way that matches that. So you're not trying to live in a way to finally get it. No, you've already got it. And now you need to live in a way that is worth it. A way that matches that. And then over in verse number 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has, what? Qualified us to be this partaker of all these things. He has already qualified. You are already qualified to be an authentic Christian. And to live like an authentic Christian, okay? And and to hang in there, we're going to drill down into this. But So this idea of doing uh, as as an approach to the Christian life, doing, 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 and and a lot of you are driven to that. Your life has taught you that, right? You better work hard to measure up, and and you're you're driven by that. But in your relationship with God, that's not the way it's We want to cross out this idea of doing, okay? We're not going to let this be our way. Go ahead and go to that, Eduardo. We are not going to be pursuing this on the basis of doing. Well, what are we going to talk about then? Well, we talked about authentic, meaning being true to your very being, right? Your essence of your nature, who you are. So we have a different perspective. The Apostle Paul, when he was talking to Uh, people in Athens uh, he was trying to share the gospel with them well he wasn't trying to he was he was sharing the gospel with them and at some point he says this to them talking about God he says for in him we live and move and have our being now in some sense this refers to our existence but it's more than that it's our existence it's who we really are our true nature our true being okay And so it's in him that we have these things. And we have a, we're already a being. now see, for in him we live and move and have our doing. No, our what? Our being. And so this word being, again, what does it mean? It means this, that the nature or essence of a person. That nature, that deep down part of who we are. Let me just... Give you a quick review uh, for most of you. It's review. Some of you might be new. The Apostle Paul, when he talks about us becoming everything that God wants us to be in our lives, the way we're living, he talks about he's the word sanctification, which means the idea that, that comes from the word salvation. That what has happened to us in salvation is becoming our experience in life. It's becoming how we look at things, how we feel about things, how we respond to things, choices we make. Sanctification, and so he says this. I pray that your whole and he says this, your whole spirit, soul, and body may be sanctified. as it'll match what the Lord's intent is for it. But so we have our spirit. And our spirit, really, this is sort of where the, the being resides, okay? When we're talking about our being. It's, it's the core identity of who we really are. It's what our nature is. And before we come to Christ, that nature is dead to God. There's a spiritual deadness. Uh, We are very much self-focused. And, you know, we have to be God because we don't know God. And so we're making all those calls on our own. We're doing our own thing. And it's very, it's what you would call a sin nature. Okay, that's the way we are before we come to Christ. Right? Now that affects our soul, and our soul is like our mind, and our will, and our emotions, and maybe our personality, and, and uh, it's also immaterial. But it's different than the spirit, and the reason I say that to you is because Paul speaks of it differently, and the author of Hebrews says there's a difference between the soul and spirit, and that even though we can't see it, it's there, he says. Okay. So we have that nature, and then that nature affects how we think, because it's a selfish, sinful nature it affects how we think right it affects how we feel it affects the choices we make in life so we are before we come to Christ this is it's just we are affected negatively by this sinful nature and then we live in a body right and, and the body the body has no morals the body likes whatever feels good right the, the body is a, a body looking for a party okay, by nature. Okay, that's the way we are. So, but when we get saved, that moment that we get saved, in our spirits, we are born again, okay? We become a new creation, the Bible tells us. And what that means is that soul, that spirit, the core of our being that was dead to God is now very much alive to God. In fact, God has moved in, and his life is in there, in us, okay? And now this idea of, you know, I want to do what I want to do. There's change there. No, in deep down inside, I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to live in a way that honors him, right? And he's changed my desires. We'll talk more about this in a minute. But he's made this huge change. Now, our, our mind and our will and our emotions still aren't changed. Very much a work in progress. But just like the, the negative dead spirit, you know, invaded the soul and, and, and damaged it, So this reality of God within us and a new nature invades our soul and begins helping us to change those things, to see those things. Now, let me tell you, sin did such a, I don't care if you got saved young, sin did such a number on you, this can take you the rest of your life to keep working on this. But you can make huge progress, okay? And then we bring our body into subjection, we say, no body, we're going to do this or we're going to do that or we're not going to do that, right? Okay, so it's, it's believing these things. So, this idea of a th- authentic is, is a being a Christian. Authentic is being a Christian. Okay, I'm going to throw a couple things out there, and then we're going to dig down into the, uh, what the Word says about these things and, and think biblically about them to help you understand. But so, when the moment you receive Christ as Savior, you finally said, I'm, like, I'm a sinner, I need a Savior, Jesus died for my sins, rose again, I believe it, I accept it for me. Your, your spirit comes to life, okay? <clears throat> but so, the mo- in your very being as a Christian, the moment you receive Christ, you became an authentic Christian. Hmm. It might seem a little counterintuitive to you, right? Well, we're going we're to work on this. Second thing is you already have everything you need to live like an authentic Christian. Okay. So we do have this separate sense in which who I really am in this core of my being and, and how my soul is being affected by it. I am already an authentic Christian because we're talking about what? My nature, the very essence of me. Now, as I said, here in the soul, we're still a work in progress. And so we have to learn things. We have to learn to think that way. We have to learn to act that way. And so then we live that way, live out those truths. And so there's a difference here between being an authentic Christian and then living like you're an authentic Christian. But it's very, very important that we settle that, no, the reality is I am already this. I'm already an authentic Christian for done, I think you'll understand why this is important. OK. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Just for fun, right? Let's go to Philemon. Philemon, you probably some of you may have never looked at this book ever. It's a short book. It's a letter from Paul to a good friend of his, A believer about a pretty touchy subject. But here in the beginning, let's start in verse 4. He says, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. So he, <clears throat> he sounds very much like when he was talking to the Colossians, doesn't he? And then he says this. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. I'm not sick. I just got the nagging cough there. Okay? Verse number six. Look at it again. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So when he talks about the sharing of your faith, we tend to think witnessing. And it would certainly include that. But really, when we talk about the sharing of your faith, he's talking about, we got the word koinonia in there, the Greek word, which means the idea of fellowship, what we have in common. And so he's saying that this, what we have in common because we are believers because of we've put our faith in Jesus. All the things that are true there, he says, they may become effective. How? By just got to do more to get up there? you got to work hard to climb higher and maybe finally? No, what's he say? They're going to become effective when you do what? When you acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. All the stuff that God has already done in your life. He says when you acknowledge that. And you begin to see it. And it's going to change the way you think. And it's going to change how you make decisions. And it's going to change how you feel about things. And your life is going to become much more effective as a Christian. You're going to be living out that authentic change. That has occurred inside of you. So there are three things when he talks about this idea of everything that we every good thing that we have in Christ i think three things come into play one is the image of god other is what it means to be in christ what happens the moment we get saved and then this idea of being redeemed so let's let's work our way through these three things let's talk about the image of god first and theologians talk about the image of god and it's kind of <laughs> Right? I mean, it's just there's all sorts of ideas about what that means. One thing it definitely does not mean is this body. God is a spirit, okay? And he created these bodies, but this body is not the image of God. So, but let me just say, I think there's a number of things that play into the image of God. And the first one is this, that there's a self-awareness, okay? Uh, go ahead, the self-awareness, there's a conceptual consciousness of self, of the world, of time, how things relate to each other, meaning. These are things that God has enabled us as human beings to do. This is very much God is self-aware. He has all this conceptual consciousness of all these things, and he's enabled us to have the same. A second thing is that self-determined. In other words, we can make choices. We're free to make choices about what we're going to do, about what we're going to believe. And we have the ability to make meaningful choices. We're not like animals that respond with um, instinct and just do whatever we do. No, we can make choices that matter. Then there's the idea of a moral awareness, conscience. You know, everybody is born with a conscience and that conscience operates on the basis of what it knows. That's why a Christian conscience is different than an unsaved person's conscience because the Christian conscience is informed by different things. But we have a conscious and a moral awareness. Uh, once again, you see in animals, animals that have relationships with people and all that kind of stuff, they can act sad. But why are they sad? It's because you're sad. Right? I mean, they're just reflecting you. Whereas you and I, um, we have this conscious and moral conscious about it. we can be sad because of what we've chosen to do or not done. We have that awareness. The fourth thing, we're relational at a very deep level. Human beings were made for relationship. Relationship with God, relationship with each other. Uh, fifth thing, natural understanding of God and spirituality that is responsive to truth about it. Romans chapter 1, very clear that God has put within us this ability to look at creation and to experience ourselves and what's going on and reach conclusion that there is indeed a God. And this is why we can can go someplace and preach the gospel where they've never heard it and their hearts are stirred, okay? Uh, And then finally, this image of God is muted, muffled, or distorted before salvation, okay? It is affected by sin. But once we come to Christ, this becomes fully accessible now. It's no longer muted or muffled, okay? It it can work in us. So we have the image of God uh, that he has given us. Then we have the truths of in Christ. Man, the Bible, is, <laughs> I had a long list. I had a list of over 100 things that are true because we are in Christ, because we got saved. Remember we got saved, what did the Holy Spirit do? He took us and did what? Put us into Jesus somehow. We are forever united with him. And so because of that, some things are true. He's moved into our spirit. We are new creations. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. What are these things? Well, Here's a short list, okay? 16 and I realized later that I doubled up on one of them. So it's 15. Okay, so here they are. First is I am a child of God. That is my position, and that is my privilege. Okay, I'm a child of God. I am chosen and forever loved by God. There's no risk there. That will never change. I am united with Christ inseparably, forever. I am eternally secure in Christ, right? I don't have to worry about re- losing this relationship. I can't lose this relationship. God is the one who started the relationship, and God is the one who says, I'm keeping the relationship, and God is the one who says, I'm going to keep this relationship forever. Boy, is that good news, because it's up to me. I'd lost it a few times this morning. <laughs> Number five, I am free from condemnation. I'm free from condemnation. The world might condemn me, but the only one who matters doesn't. No condemnation in Christ. I already said I'm a new creation in Christ. He's made me totally new on the inside. All that old crud is gone. Crud, that's a Greek word for something. I am free from the controlling power of sin. I can make different choices. I don't always because I'm still learning and believing and working, but... I, I can make right choices. I am righteous, holy, and blameless. I am righteous. Man. The, and we end up with this little bit of a, wait, Wait, how can that be? Because I know how I live, right? Okay, but let's, let's accept what God says as true. I am righteous, holy, and blameless. Number nine, I am protected from the evil one. Satan has no access to me. If God allows him any access to me at all, it's like Job, and he has good purposes, and he's going to protect me and take care of me through all of that. Again, I am holy and blameless in Christ. I am redeemed from a life of sin. This becomes very important as we are going to learn how to live like authentic Christians. And then uh, I am unconditionally accepted by Christ. Unconditionally. Unconditionally accepted by Christ. You mean the way I am? Yeah. Does God approve of everything in my life? No. But he accepts me. That's huge. Number 13 here. I'm designed by God to do good works. I can do things that matter. I can do things that matter forever. I am strong in the Lord with his power. Not in my strength, but in his strength. I am always in the presence of the Lord. There's nowhere you can go as a believer Where the Lord isn't going with you. And we ought to turn around. I'm going with him. Anyway. And then finally I am complete in Christ. What am I lacking. As an authentic Christian. Nothing. This is huge isn't it. Okay. How can this be true. When it feels like. I, I don't feel this way all the time. Well we already settled right. Where did this change occur. The change occurred in your spirit. This is where God moved in. You and him are united there forever. You are a new person there. All that old junk is gone. You are new. And now it's infecting, in a good way, your soul. Okay? And you're working. And you're growing. And you're learning. I you haven't fully measured up. Uh, that's the wrong terminology. See how easy it comes out of our mouths? I'm not, finally, not yet living completely a life that matches that. But I'm growing and I'm working on it. All right. The third idea is this idea of being redeemed. And this is where we come to grips with this idea that I have sinned, and sin has affected me. Okay, yes, I am a sinner. And so this is where we recognize sin's impact in our lives. We're not in denial over this. No, no, I'm perfect. Well, in your spirit you are. But your whole being, not quite yet. We're working on that. So go to that if you would, Edward. A recognition of sin's impact in our lives. Okay, I'm redeemed, because if being redeemed recognizes you what? Needed to be redeemed. <laughs> okay? All right. Secondly, all of these things, that this, the sin struggles, all these things don't own me anymore. Before, when my nature was this corrupt thing, then sin owned me. But now that he's changed this and it's no longer true and it doesn't own me anymore. Jesus owns me. And I'm learning. I've got to remember that. I've got to make my choices consistent with that. And then finally, I'm working with the Lord through the practical issues of sin in my life. Most of us, if not all of us, have stuff from our past and sins that affect how we think, how we feel, and affect how we interpret what's going on and how we, you know. And so, but God is working on that with us and growing us. Sometimes we need some help from other Christians to do that. All right, so you can see here now let's just do a review here in your very being as a Christian remember the moment you received Christ you became an authentic Christian you already have everything you need to live like an authentic Christian you already do and this is where Philemon Paul writes to Philemon that the sharing of your faith may become effective by what? acknowledge. would you read the, the part there in that salmon pink color with me ready? The acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you, in Christ Jesus. That's how this all becomes effective in your life and begins making that difference that God intends for it to. So let's talk now about, <clears throat> I've got an illustration and we'll close out with this. Um, <coughs> so imagine, you know, I, you don't have to imagine it. Anybody in here ever have to think about money issues? Yeah, probably most of us here, you know, you have to think about this sort of each and every day. You're going to think, what do I need today? I need money for this. I need money for that. How much money is in the bank? Am I going to have to use the credit card till I get paid? What's going on here? And we're trying to make these, all these decisions all the time out of a sense because we don't have enough. Well, I maybe mean, we have enough, but you know what I mean, we have to really work on okay? Now, would anybody in here mind having a little more money? anybody okay well let's talk about the richest man in the world as of a few days ago okay bernard arnault and you may not know who he is but he is the principal owner holder of multiple brands like christian dior Louis Vuitton, tiffany and company gucci and there's a bunch more around the world that you and i might not even be familiar with okay he is worth 191 billion dollars within the last week or so. Here, um, let's, let's talk about this. Do you know? Let's. I'm going to give you a raise. I'm going to. Hopefully, it's a raise for all. of you, I don't know, but gonna, you, we're going to pay you a million dollars a year. Everybody ready to sign up? No, no strings attached. Okay, a million you would have to work for 1,000 years to make $1 billion. 1,000 years at a million a year. To have this much, you'd have to work 191,000 years at a million dollars a year. <clears throat> Do you think you have <clears throat> any good reason to be financially insecure? No. I mean, I understand. We aren't taking the Lord out of the equation in our lives. I'm not. I'm saying just from a human standpoint, right? You don't need to be sitting and say, oh, man, I don't know if I should go out to lunch today or not, <laughs> right? Or a Christmas present, or you want to go on a vacation. You just don't have to think about that thing. Worry about it, because you've already got it, OK? Now, so think about this. If you had $191 billion in the bank then, OK, and you're sitting there in the morning thinking, how do I live today with respect to my finances? We already said that'd be pretty easy, wouldn't it? But what if you had 191 billion in the bank and you don't know it? You don't know it. And you'd be sitting there with 191 billion in the bank saying, oh man, I don't know if I should go out to eat lunch today or pack a lunch. I think I'll only put half a tank in the gas tank right now. Or how am I going to buy presents for Christmas, you know, or whatever? And you're living this way when the reality is you have everything you need financially to do whatever you need to do. Well, you understand, this is what it's like being a Christian. We're talking about trying to to live like an authentic Christian. You already have everything you need in the bank, so to speak. Everything that you are in Christ, you have it all. It's yours. It's not going to change. You're not, you know, nothing new is going to come along. You might discover it new, but it's there. And if we can get a hold of that, that changes tremendously than how I look about when I go out into the world today. I'm not going out there to try to measure up. I, God's already taken care of that. You know, I, I don't have to worry about, oh, they're going to condemn me. Yeah, well, so what? Who are they? god of the universe says there's no condemnation anymore i mean i want people to love me yeah that's nice you want people to love you but the one who loves you best knows you best and still loves you i mean you see what i'm saying you're not at risk it changes how you go out and live your life today when you understand these truths so authentic being a christian and that's the part one of this sermon series and, and uh, I'm going to have Dan come on up let's pray uh, Father thank you for your word I pray that we could really take it to heart and understand it and live from it thank you so much for what you've done and I pray that as we continue discussion here that, that it would be um, helpful to all of us in understanding and living by it I pray it in Jesus name Amen alright come on up Dan <clears throat> I don't know if any of you did you get any questions? I did. good Good job, guys. Excuse me, let me take a drink here. Right, we are on. Shall
0: right. we start with the questions then? Well
1: your call man.
0: Right.
1: I mean you and I don't have any problem sitting around talking.
0: No. So the first one is uh says Colossians one ten says that you may walk worthy of the Lord fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Mm -hmm. People often seem to talk about good works as a believer's fruit. Does this mean that works are not fruits? Is that implied in the phrase, being fruitful in every good work? What is the fruitfulness being talked about here, the fruit of the Spirit?
1: Cool, somebody has very active thumbs. Man, that was a great question. No, I think very much what we're talking about is there's the reality that God has done in our lives, right? All these in Christ things, bringing the, our, our image of God online, redeemed as helping. But so this fruit is what flows out of that. It, it, it's, uh, and it certainly would include the fruit of the Spirit. It would include that. And I think that... Um, <clears throat> Sermon number three, well, part three, has to do with all the doing. Because, you know, when I listed all the things, you know, that people do, I mean, those are all good things, aren't they? Yeah, they are good things. But where do they fit? And I think how we think about it is going to make a world of difference. And if, if, if we can see this, yes, this is fruit of how he's changed my life. He's changed how I think about things. He's changed how I see things. And so therefore, you know, my, I'm being sanctified. And so I'm making some different choices. And I'm doing something different. And I'm doing it for a different reason. See, I think there's the real key. is why are you doing those things? And I'm saying that, biblically, it's because of what God has already done that that then produces fruit in our lives. Did I answer that, You think? OK. Do you have anything you want to add to that?
0: Well, I was just going to say you kind of touched on it as our motivation. So I think our motivation for doing uh, things for the Lord is really important. And uh, as we grow in our love and gratitude for what He has done for us, our motivations change for why we do what we do as Christians. Right. It's not out of an obligation, <clears throat> but it's out of uh, love and gratitude for what He's already accomplished. Mm.
1: Yes. Yep. Good. Thank you.
0: How do I know if my doing good is authentic life changed? Excuse me. How do I know if my doing good is authentic life changed and motivated by God rather than self out of an internal need to feel good enough?
1: Right. So that last point we talked about redeemed, that God is working us through the issues that are related to sin in our lives, okay? This <clears throat> this drive to be good enough is um, Anybody besides me ever struggled with that in your life? That I just got to, I got to work harder, right? I got to do better, um, and I got. So my story is that, as a little kid and growing up, I got the pats on the back because I was fairly smart and could figure stuff out, get good grades, pat on the back, learn to do something. You know, I mean, a fairly coordinated. Anyway, So the idea is you get your affirmation and your feeling of what makes you valuable, because it feels good to be important, doesn't it? To have people think that you're good and important, yeah. And so that tends to drive us as human beings. But what's changed for me, now let me back up. So I came to Christ when I was 19 years old, and I brought that right into my Christian life. Now I gotta do this. And that, and so do this well. And I, I got to memorize lots of verses. And by the way, it was good for me to memorize lots of verses. But I'm talking about what was, hap- what was motivating me there, right? It was, it was mixed. And so I'm trying to measure up. I'm trying to do this. And then <clears throat> it was working in life. I could do, and it worked. People, were, good job, Walt. Then um, I became the senior pastor of this church. And I discovered that when you become the senior pastor, is there's no way in the world that everybody is gonna be happy with you. <laughs> it just goes with any kind of position like this, right? And that, that ate me alive. I wasn't conscious of it, but the idea is if you weren't happy about something, well, you just don't understand. Let me explain a little more, you know, or this. And then I about to throw myself into the grave, trying to live that way. Uh, but within the first couple years, because of that, feeling a sense of burnout, having it affect my marriage relationship, that Glenda and I both went someplace, the people who helped people in ministry, and worked through this. And for the first time, I really uh, started to understand, wait a minute. And here's the picture, right? This is what God has done in my life. Guess what? I'm significant to God. I'm significant because of what God says. I don't have to get your approval anymore. Now that takes time to work out of that. you know what I mean? And it isn't that I, don't, I do care what people think, but ultimately I care more what God says, right? And so it kind of frees me. So I don't know if I've answered that question or not. Uh, if I haven't, feel free to talk to me afterwards. But the idea of knowing the difference is, why am I doing this? Again, we're back to the motivation right there. Why am I doing this? I'm doing this because this is what God wants me to do. It's produced it is fruitful, it's positive, it's good, or the results kind of burning me out because I'm trying again to earn and earn and earn. Okay? All right. Good question.
0: The Bible says faith without works is dead. How is that scripture explained in the proper context? All
1: right. So the faith. It kind of goes back, Eduardo. Could you find that slide where it talks about um, salvation and what's going on there? Um, we're talking about that, our tendency, our natural human tendency. Can you read the question again, so I don't just get sidetracked. Um, sorry. The
0: Bible says, "Faith without works is dead." Yes. How is the scripture explained in the proper
1: context? Okay. All right, so faith that saves us. Because, you know, people use the word faith to mean a lot of things, don't they? Right, Keep the faith, you know, or I have faith, but what do you have faith in, right? I mean, so much of that stuff. uh, People say, well, I believe that, you know. But when the Bible's talking about faith that saves us, it's the kind of faith that produces action. Okay, it's not just an intellectual assent. It's a, it's a whole being assent in saying yes to God. And when we say yes to God, then we do. All right? So the, the kind of faith that saves us is that kind of faith, if I can just illustrate, here we are, right? I, I'm not saved. There's, actually, there's a line here that I drew for my fingers here. There's a line, and I'm on this side of it. I'm not saved. I, I, I believe God did that stuff. Yeah, I believe. I, I can, you know, but I'm still here. It's when I say, okay, yes, I do believe. All right, God, here I am. And you step across the line. You see? That's the kind of faith that saves us. And so faith saves us without any works at all. But the kind of faith that saves us always produces works. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. So I think that that is the idea of faith and works. And I think it fits this context very well. Here's what God has done. And when I really believe it, I do what? I do something. I act. Okay?
0: So you're saying uh, then that Jesus' death provided everything I need to be able to live in a genuine mm-hmm. Christian life.
1: Yes. Not only salvation for eternity, but yes, everything we need. And now we have to believe it. We have to apply it. We have to, but the reality is there; it's not going anywhere, whether you realize it or not.
0: How important is it to have someone in our lives to be vulnerable with, or to be transparent with, as we attempt to live a genuine Christian
1: life? That's a lot bigger than I used to think. Do you want to answer that question?
0: Well, I think um, <coughs> you know whether it's a close friend or. House, you know, I think it's really important that we have someone in our lives that we can share, um, you know, not only the, the, our successes and, and triumphs in life, but also our failures, things that we struggle with. Um, I think you'd always really be surprised how uh, things that you might be struggling with in your life kind of loses power mm. over you when you share those difficulties with someone else that you can trust and someone that you can talk to. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's, you know, I think you have to be careful about sharing everything with everyone, but if you have a small group or someone that you can really trust that you can share with, uh, I think that is a really important key uh, to living in a genuine Christian. Yeah.
1: So Paul Chambers over here said something to me on more than one occasion, but he says the best disinfectant is light. You know, light tends to kill germs and so in our lives when we open up to somebody now all of a sudden it's no longer in the dark it's brought out in the light and it tends to lose its grip it really really does and i've experienced this with you and i dan our fellowship i have a group of guys i get together with on wednesday early wednesday mornings that things has changed me by being able to be open we're, we're getting a little away from our sermon today um, but <clears throat> You can be open because all those things are true about who you are in Christ. Because nothing is at risk with the Lord, right? Okay. Anything else? We've got about a minute here.
0: Let's see if we have one more we can get to. That was just a comment. How does woke ideology counterfeit God's intent for an individual's identity? Okay. 45 seconds.
1: So one of the things that comes in is this idea that someone can easily hear what I'm saying, and if they aren't really tracking, they can say, oh, positive thinking. Right? Positive thinking. And positive thinking has positive results. It just does, okay, overall in our lives. But positive thinking that's not based on the truth Ultimately, has no foundation to support it, right? Feel good about yourself. Why? I mean, there's no foundation for it, but there is in Christ. And so, you know, I'm not sure exactly what they meant by the whole woke ideology, um, but just say this, that the idea is, is, it is crucial that we view our lives the way the scriptures say. And if you do that... You will begin to recognize when something is a counterfeit and doesn't match what God is saying, OK? Uh, but I'd have to really, I think, do a lot more study to speak authoritatively about that specific issue. so. All right, so we are at time. thank you for and thank you, Dan, for coming up here and doing that. We'll do this for the next two weeks as well. Uh, so feel free to uh, text questions you know, each week. And uh, would you pray for us and dismiss us, Dan? Okay.
0: Father in heaven, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ and we thank you that he has uh, through his death and his sacrifice he has provided us everything we need to live uh, lives that are pleasing to you fruitful uh, and under good work and we pray, that, Lord, through these series of messages that we will all stop and just evaluate where we are in our lives Lord, that there are areas that we need to Surrender to you uh, that we would do that. Lord, we just pray that you will be with each and every one of us now as we go our separate ways, and we'll give you all the honor and glory. Of course, in Jesus' name we ask. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you.